We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. People are expecting. People are expecting quite a bit. This is your time. You want to win. You're going to be like this. There are no shortcuts in life. You'll get better because you make each other better. The inches we need are everywhere around us. I know plenty of people that are capable. I know fewer people that are willing. You have to believe it to do it. Now, what are you going to do? Welcome, everybody, to Sideline Sessions on the B Podcast Network. Really pleased to have you here with us again for another great episode of this debut season. My guest today is Evan Unrau. Evan joined Peace Players United States in 2020 as the director of their Los Angeles chapter. Prior to that role, she served as the manager of youth basketball for the Los Angeles Clippers, and she notably supported the growth the Junior Clippers program is one of the NBA's largest youth basketball programs, boasting over 100,000 kids in the Southern California region. I think later on we're going to fact check that because that sounds almost too good to be true. But that's that's the information I have. <laughs> Evan has also been an assistant coach at Stanford, University of Southern California, UC Santa Barbara. And as a player, Evan was a four-year letter winner at the University of Missouri. Jared Honorable Mention. All-America Honors was a two-time first-team All-League selection, three-time Big 12 academic first-team selection, and captained the United States team at the 2003 World University Games in South Korea. She was drafted by the WNBA's Washington Mystics in the third round in 2004 and played professionally overseas for two seasons. Evan, welcome to Sideline Sessions. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to start kind of at the beginning you know you, this is a basketball life here right there's involved in it in so many different ways as a player as a coach as a you know a program director with youth with professionals with college level athletes what does the sport of basketball mean to you geez where to start you know basketball ended up being the you know the mechanism that I, I chose in my life but honestly it was sport has always been my north star you know as a kid i played basketball volleyball soccer at high school i loved skateboarding rollerblading snowboarding um softball like i just i loved physical activity my my father had a brief stint in the nfl my brother was a a big track athlete so sport was just always part of my orbit at a young age and at the end of the day i ended up uh, choosing to play to just play basketball in college and it's just kind of been an evolution since there it's you know sometimes it's i look at my bio and i'm like how has this game, you know, created this 
crazy path through, you know, different professions, but always kind of, you know, around, around sport in the game of basketball. So I just feel incredibly lucky to be able to continue to, you know, find different ways to use hoops to, you know, impact lives and, you know, in turn impact my life. And now a quick break for a word from our sponsor, MyFlex Learning. Let's talk about flex time in schools. The potential benefits to our students make it totally worth exploring. There's more time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students and the increased engagement that comes along with it, dedicated time for intervention, and overall, as school leaders, it provides you and your faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in that can hold you back from ensuring students make good use of their time. That's why I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with the seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. If you want to see for yourself, visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. You'll learn all about MyFlex Learning, what it can do for your school, and you'll receive a $500 off offer for your first year. Check it out. Yeah, and we'll certainly talk specifically about how, you know, particularly an organization like these players, right? There's an intentionality behind the program design and the way in which sport is used to create communities, build connections. But it's amazing how sport has that ability to do a lot of those things organically, right? And how, you know, I know in my own case, right, growing up, playing a variety of different sports and playing three different sports at the high school level, and you know, that you're just always around different groups of people, right? <laughs> you know, and, and it's the kids who may not be in the same class as you at school or, you know, but you just are used to being around diversity and that type of, a, there's a unique type of community created around a sports team and the way, you know, that everybody's kind of right going through challenges together and working toward a common goal and all those things. And you almost don't realize it until later <laughs> when you kind of look back and, you know, especially, I mean, I know, you know as you go through different phases and, and stages of life, you know, you have to think in different ways about how to make sure to plug in and create new communities because they stop happening organically <laughs> but you know there's so much power in in sport like you know basketball or any other sport team sports at least to really create that and give uh, youth in particularly uh, like a much broader perspective on the people around them for sure yeah it's I just think about the places I've traveled to, you know, the cultures I've been exposed to, the conversations I've had, you know, just some really beautiful connections, you know, that have just been made through sport, you know, and things that I otherwise would not have had access to or opportunity to do in my life. And that's true for, you know, for, for a lot of different people. So just, you know, really grateful. 
Yeah. And so, you know, you mentioned access, right? So expanding access, I think, to programs like quality programs is, is certainly there's a through line here in a variety of roles. And I wanted to go to that junior Clippers program. We mentioned that impressive number of kids that got involved in that in the Southern California region. And, you know, we just want to talk about some of the things you experienced there, managing and building that program and seeing the amount of access you would create. And, you know, and especially with a lot of these great youth programs and then when you're able to scale at that level, right? It's every different level of, skill ability even interest right but that that opportunity to have access to something that is a really um you know healthy productive community and a way to participate that unfortunately isn't always that easy to access yeah sure you know i think you know the clippers organization and ownership is you know first class and they generally care about community they generally care about doing things the right way and i think that's you know reflective in you know my time there and kind of the work we did through youth basketball you know they're you know but they're also you know it's also a you know our organization it's, a, it's also a company right so a priority for theirs is building fandom you know in a city like los angeles where you know a lot of folks grew up watching you know the lakers and a lot of the lakers success you know through showtime and through kobe and Shaq and things like that the clippers really made a commitment to you know build fandom from a young you know, like a young generation mm-hmm. like next generation of basketball players and again that's reflective in you know the success of our youth basketball program but that meant you know trying to put anybody and everybody in a clippers jersey and that's that building that connection their first jersey was a clippers jersey and again trying to build that fandom and it's ex- providing them one with a jersey but also an opportunity to participate in a clinic and a camp and that was you know running them all throughout southern california California, you know, almost every day of the week and, you know, throwing my bag of basketballs and and giveaways in the back of my truck and, and give it going to different partnership locations to provide free basketball clinics for, for young people. So just a, a true testament to the, the Clippers organization, their commitment to, to community and to youth and to, you know, a, a commitment to building their brand and building a, you know, a, a team that is going to be around for a long time and hopefully win a lot of championships in Los Angeles. I mean, imagine it takes a high level of energy to to run a program like that. Right? When you're going from event to event, and there must be some variability in, in in how the events you know eventually go. Right, you show up one day and everybody's just and everything's clicking here today, and then one day it's like, oh man, I don't know what's happening here today. But you know, to really, I mean, you have to really love the mission of what you're working on to be able to sustain the building of such a program and that amount of outreach and that amount of different, you know, outposts within a, a, you know, a a large community. Yeah. I'm an unconventional person in most facets of my life. So just like, you know, I'm not a behind the desk person, like as a collegiate coach, like similar in terms of just like, each day is different. Each day is an adventure. You know, there's kind of different ebbs and flows in the season where you're traveling, you're recruiting, you're, you know, meeting with players, you're mentoring, you're, you know, all of these different 
things that you do in a day and in a year. It's similar in my work at Clippers. It's similar in my work at Peace Players. Like no day is the same. And like, I love that. I love being on the computer and doing emails in the morning and then packing it all up and hitting the road and, you know, going to be in a gym for a couple hours with, you know, with young people and just having that opportunity to you know, plant seeds for, you know, for who knows what, right? Plant seeds for, you know, inspiration, for mentorship, for, you know, advocacy, for community, for just a game of basketball, for friendship, for trust, for communication. Like all of these things are potential seeds that can be planted, you know, at, at a Peace Players program and at Clippers camp and, and things like that. How did you choose to get involved in coaching? Did you go right into it after your playing career? But even so, you know, what made you decide that was the route you wanted to take? It's interesting. Like I was never that kid who was like, I'm going to be a lawyer or I'm going to be this, or I'm going to be that. Like I never had that, like, that's what I'm going to be. I think when I was in college, I spent a lot of my summers coaching basketball camps. And oddly enough, I really enjoyed it. Like a lot of my teammates were like, why do you like camp so much? I'm like, I don't know. It's like, cool. And I, that's how I kind of got connected to Stanford as I would go work Stanford women's basketball camps in college. And I think it was through that. I was like, oh, I love this. Like, this is awesome. And I think the closest thing in my un, like proximity to like the feeling I felt when I was running camps was to be a college coach, was to be a coach. And so, you know, I was a little bit different now than it was back then. Back then it was very much, there's like this like path, right? Like you played basketball, you go become a graduate assistant, you take a lot of academic classes and, you know, coaching and, you know, all of those type of things. And then you become a video coordinator and then you start at a, a mid-major and then you work your way up to um, the BCS level. And that's what I did. I think, again, that that's a different journey than it is today for a lot of coaches. And I loved it. I loved it. There's, you know, there's hard things about coaching collegially. I know that the landscape today is just so tremendously different than it was before, before I got out. But it's still just, for me, it's, I just think about, how much my life changed in those four years. And I wanted to be someone who was a, a mentor and a teacher and a friend to, you know, uh, these young women who, you know, it's a very pivotal part of their life. And I really took that to heart and that responsibility and just um, wanted to be part of a positive part of that journey for them. Were there particular coaches that made an impression on you and that you started to see, okay, I could, I kind of see myself doing that kind of, by following what they were doing or because of particular things you were learning from them? Um, I was really fortunate. Um, I uh, grew up in a town called Fort Collins, Colorado, which is home of the Colorado State Rams, which is also the home of uh, Becky Hammond, um, played collegiately uh, at CSU. So I was really lucky and I got a, had a front row seat to watch her play um, her four years of college there and some of her tremendous teammates. Um, and then to be able to go on and see her, you know, her playing career, coaching, you know, in the NBA and now with her, you know, working at the Aces and winning two, you know, two championships has been pretty special. I was a massive 96 USA women's basketball team follower. I still have my sports illustrated with the team and a plastic Ziploc bag that I have had since I was a little kid that I carry around. So the players on that team, Tara Vanderfeer was the head coach there. She's now the Stanford women's basketball coach you know, Pat Summit, Vivian Stringer. I mean, just in incredible names that were just trailblazers at that time who were coaching, not making a lot of money, but they did it because they loved it. And just to see how the game has evolved since then has been really cool. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's happening 
a lot faster now, right? <laughs> like for a long time, the progress was slow. And but you know, women's basketball, particularly the college level and and WNBA, is really gaining a lot more prominence and notoriety. The, the athletes are getting a lot more recognized. Some of the great coaches, like you said, you know, there there have been great ones for a lot of years, but now there's a lot more of them that are more well known for what they're achieving and you know, the the competition across a much greater number of schools, particularly college level, you know, there's no longer that one or two dominant programs. It's really, you know, the opportunity for to build something new, you know, the same way that it would have been done in other sports at other times, right? Before before they became the powers, they were also <laughs> just starting out. And it's it, it is impressive to see that happening so I want to get to what you're doing now uh with peace players and you're in peace players us and it certainly goes back to where we started that conversation about you know access impact intentionality behind you know designing programs that are delivered through sport but that there's a lot of other goals in mind right and and a real plan to achieve those goals. I'm sure some of our listeners maybe know about Peace Players, but others won't. Would love for you to kind of give an overview of what the organization is, one, and and the way that you work and, and, you know, some of the goals and the the mission through basketball that you're working toward. So Peace Players International has been around for over 20 years and uh, started in Durban, South Africa in 2001, um, which is this idea that like kids that play together could learn to live together. And really that was kind of a spark for this movement and growth. So South Africa, the Middle East, Northern Ireland, Cyprus, so working in conflict or post-conflict communities where using basketball to to bring communities of kids together and bridge some of the cultural, religious, racial divides that have, you know, permeated those communities for years. In 2017, Nike had, you know, wanted to help bring peace players to the United States. So now we have Brooklyn, Baltimore, Detroit, Chicago, and Los Angeles was the last to be added. So really new in terms of like a nonprofit landscape in our work in the U.S. And again, it's really centered on a little bit different than in international, just really focused on, you know, equity and access and leadership and, you know, creating like a movement of youth leaders, peace players, youth leaders that are connected through various peace player initiatives where it's, you know, yes, I'm doing work in Los Angeles, but I am connected to my teammates in the other in the other cities. And our kids are going to have opportunities to meet each other and learn from each other and build community and just build, you know, world awareness, you know, when they have the opportunity to, to you know, to sit across from a young person, they might not ever have a chance to speak with from a different city or a different country. So that's, that's kind of, international and the US. Really cool. I mean, I got exposed to peace players in 2014. I was actually going to be, I was kind of in transition and coaching and I was going to be a fellow in the Middle East. And I was like packing my bags ready to go. And, you know, at a a lesser scale uh, war broke out. So they shut the the program down and just got asked like, Hey, do you want to come to Cyprus and, you know, be our VIP for this camp? And I was like, well, one, what Cyprus? Like, I don't know what that is. So I've since been there many a times and yeah, just was my first, like, you know, I just remember being at this camp in, in Cyprus, which is just beautiful. And it was the end of a long day and it's hot and we're sweaty. And the coaches were, you know, sitting on plastic chairs in a, in a circle, just talking. And then, you know, just kind of seeing the the young people similarly, 
you know, playing some kids game, but it was a, a, you know, a Palestinian sitting next to a young man from South Africa sitting next to, you know, a Protestant kid from Northern Ireland sitting next to, you know, some kid from America. And it was just kids being kids, just really beautiful. So just a, a really cool organization. Are there certain changes you've observed or navigated in the, you know, the few years that you've been with the LA program 2020, of course, interesting year to join with everything that was happening that year and in the years since what's been happening and and evolving out there? Sure. I mean, it's like I said, it's, we're really young and we're still growing and testing and piloting and figuring out you know, where we should be, who we should be partnered with, you know, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? Like, I mean, there's just a lot of things that you're constantly, constantly thinking about, you know, in the work and in this, in the, in the work that we do. So it's been a lot of change. You know, I think when I first started, we, it was just right at the tail end of the pandemic and we didn't have any partnerships. So I think a priority for us was like, just finding folks that were, you know, our missions aligned, who were interested in what we did, you know, who were interested in bringing us to their space and working with the young people. And we piloted a lot of different programs in a lot of different places. And we were, you know, hustling and in a different gym every day, sometimes a couple of different gyms in a day. And we did that for a couple of years. And it's really allowed us to make informed decisions about like what worked, what didn't work, what aligns with what we're doing nationally, what aligns with what we're thinking about internationally. So and we're still in that process. So it's, you know, it's been a lot of fun. It's been challenging, but just, I know for me, just incredibly proud of the work that we've done in the last few years. And I'm just, I'm excited and energized and eager to just kind of see what's next for the next few years for us. Cause you know, Peace Players is, it's a, you know, it's a beautiful organization. It's got incredible people in it. And I just, you know, I just think the, the world of the world of the organization. Yeah. Where are your participants coming from? Your your student athletes. So what's their background of familiarity with the sport of basketball or, you know, otherwise, you know, what's your, what does your outreach look like? Or are they kind of coming to you? How's that all happening? Yeah. So we heard it say, said before that, you know, partnership is our secret sauce by a very smart woman named Nicole Whiteman, who's the, you know, CEO of the Dodgers Foundation. And I, that's kind of how we roll. It's all about, it's all about partnerships for us. We work in South Los Angeles. So it's, we have two programs. We have a program called Peace League and a program called LDP, which is Leadership and Development Program. Our Peace League program is for middle school aged kids. And it's really just introducing them to the game of basketball, introducing them to some of our core values and just creating a, you know, a safe space for kids to play and to learn the game, to have fun and to move. And then our LDP program is for high school age kids and middle school age kids. And that's in Los Angeles, it's a female identifying program. So gender equity is a priority for peace players, specifically in the United States and for LA. We had a lot of success with our work with young ladies. So we've kind of doubled down on that and created some programs specific to young women. Yeah. So that's kind of our, those are kind of our two primary two primary programs and where we're working here. Do you have specific goals that you're working toward within the, the LA program? Are, are they primarily shared goals across or, or kind of certain ones that you're kind of setting and working toward? Yeah, it's, you know, the five U.S. cities, we are all autonomous, but we're all interconnected. Huh. Um, you know, obviously, like, you know, the every community that we work on is very nuanced and very different than that of, you know, my teammates in Detroit or um, Brooklyn or, you know, Baltimore and, and Chicago. 
but we have like, there's like these threads that keep us connected. Like what are the core programs? What are our core values? What are the, what are the achievables? We have some flagship programs, like a girl summit that we all do. We have a community service event and activation around Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. weekend friendship games. So we kind of have these like common threads, but then we also kind of work independently in the community. You know, I think for us, it's important to have really like run really good programs, right? Like you can do all these other things and say you do all of these other things, but it's, for me, it's a priority to have, you know, every single day that we show up, like we know that those kids are going to have a great experience. And part of that's having really good people on your team delivering that program. So, you know, that's a, a goal is to continue to keep our talent and retain new talent um, to help us, you know, expand our reach. Um, it's creating sustainable programs. You know, I think it's really easy sometimes to grow fast and then you realize, uh-oh, um, the quality of our program has gone down. Like, uh-oh, do we have enough funding for this? So I think it's, you know, it's cre creating sustainable programs and current programs and, you know, having sustainable revenue streams and, you know, just having something that's going to be around a long time. Because what we don't want to do is go into a space and be like, hey, we're here and then leave. Right. And, you know, it's a priority for us is like, if we're going to say we're going to show up, we're going to show up and show up and show up and just build those connections and those mentorships and with the kids we're working with. Yeah. Do, do you have specific things that you really like to emphasize from a coaching perspective like when, you know, as far as the sport of basketball is involved and you're working you know, with these kids in this program? And it's not that, you know, they're all necessarily aspiring to be high level players. I'm sure there's some that are incredibly talented, but you know, there's that, that coaching element, I'm sure of certain things that you're like, this is really what I want them to learn about. Yeah, that's an interesting question. It's I have to like swallow my whistle a lot of times because basketball is our hook, right? Like a lot of our kids, you know, have never played the game or it's the police players was the first time they played the game or they've, you know, again, like it's an access, right? Like they haven't had access to the pay to play model where they've, you know, had really good coaches and they're playing, you know, multiple times a day and a week and they're travel ball and things like that. We feel very strongly on our team about like making sure that we're like building core competencies around the game of basketball. So like understanding terminology, understanding positions on the court, understanding like basics, like basic footwork, defensive positioning, how to shoot a layup. Like we're like, we go back, I don't know if you remember beef, but beef is a, is a way to teach shooting where it's, you know, balance, elbow, eyes, follow through. Like we teach those to all of our kids because again, we want to, you know, it's some of those just core competencies and, and foundational elements of um, the game of basketball. And there's a couple of players that we have that are really good where we can then kind of extend ourselves as coaches and kind of teach next level concepts. But, you know, again, basketball is our hook. So we're not going crazy with the travels and the double dribbles and the things like that. So, yeah. Are there things that you know, these few years working in this program and, and the things that make it unique from other environments in which you've worked and coached that it's taught you about yourself? You know, I've learned that again, I kind of mentioned it earlier, like I enjoy being a leader. It's, you know, I lead a team of two full-time staff members and, you know, about eight to 10 part-time coaches and volunteers. It's taught me a lot about leadership. It's taught me a lot about people. You know, I am a very collaborative person. Like, yes, I'm like the director, but like, I am nothing without Nat and Britt on our team. I'm nothing without our coaches that show up and help support us every single day. So it's finding ways to empower those around me to be able to, 
you know, have a voice and, you know, have roles and responsibilities and take things, you know, I have to, you know, delegate and be better about those type of things. But I've really learned about being a leader and trying to create that type of environment. I am a big we over me person. So when our team talks, it's, you're very rarely going to hear like, I think this, or like I did this, or especially when talking to our kids, it's really about, you know, we, and I think that's reflective and kind of like, we always kind of say in LA, there's like an energy and a vibe to like what we do. And again, I think that's just, that's reflective of just like a staff environment that's been created where like everybody feels supported and seen. And this work is hard, right? Like it's challenging to be in a different space every single day and working with young people and a lot of the, you know, the young people that we work with and in the communities that we work with, right? Like it's so also as a leader, being able to have a pulse on how your team is feeling and give them opportunities to take a time out and go get your stuff done and make Make sure that you're taking care of yourself so that you can show up and be the best version of yourself for the young people. You know, it's there's a really great organization called the Center for Healing and Justice through Sport, and they always say a, a dysregulated adult can't, you know, can't coach a dysregulated young person. So it's my leadership, I think, has really evolved over the last couple of years at Peace Players. Yeah, I think that's a great perspective. Is there any lesson that comes to mind, any takeaway that you would like to leave other coaches with whether they're youth or high school whatever level whatever sport but just those kind of lessons learned along the way that are worth thinking about and reflecting on yeah i am big on like give young people the opportunity to like be great like give them the opportunity to be great we all come in different packages we all come with different baggage we all come with different life experiences and those things are sometimes reflected differently in different situations so it's like don't be so rigid on like this is how i'm going to coach this team it's like hey like are you thinking about like this is how i need to coach this young person because this is what they need and what they need may not be the same as you know the person next to them I'm just a big relationship person. I believe that if, you know, a young person knows that you generally care about them, they're going to show up for you and they're going to listen to you and you're, you know, you're going to unlock so much more potential because you're going to be able to coach them because they know you care. So I'm just big on just building genuine connection and relationship with young people. I know that like when I played, like I remember having those coaches who like, I'd see them every day and they'd be like, how's your mom? And I would answer the question. And then the next day I'd be like, how's your mom? And I'd answer the question. And then like, Eventually, I just was just kind of going through the motions and I would just say fine. And then I would walk away because I'm like, you're asking me the same question every single day. Like you're not listening to me because if you listen to me and the first day you asked me how my mom was and I say that, you know, this, that and the other is going on at home, you would have built on that because you were listening. So I just, I really have carried that with me. And I'm like, I don't want to be that type of coach. Like I want to care and I want to listen and make them feel seen and heard. So well, having a three-year-old, I can relate to having the same question as to you. Not only every day, but 10 times in a row. <laughs> I can one-up you. I have the one-year-old twins and I have a two-and-a-half-year-old. So I have that times three. So I've like... Yeah, it's- see, that's a lot of questions to answer. And you just have to think of creative ways to do it. Yeah, but you certainly hit on a really important point. A lot of times, you know, we find on this show, especially when we talk to different people about what coaching needs them you know a lot of times it comes up that it's teaching right and that's and there certainly is a concept that you talked about essentially receiving permission to coach right and the same thing as like permission to teach like i have to show you that i care about you that i understand you that i want to relate to you and have a relationship 
and then you're going to allow me to coach you and you know because then there's a authenticity and a credibility to the message otherwise it's just you know is it good is it not i don't know <laughs> right i don't know why you're telling me these things right yeah, it's, I mean, like I said, grew up playing a lot. It sounds like you played a lot of sports and have had a lot of different coaches and just very, it's really easy. It's just like teachers. I can say the same thing, which were the teachers I liked and which were the ones I didn't like. And like, that's a lot of times the the key element to it. Um, yeah, totally. Evan, it's been so great to have you on the show. I know there's a lot of opportunities for our listeners to connect with you, connect with Peace Players, get involved. What would you recommend? In terms of just outreach? Yeah, but, you know, where people can learn more or how they can get involved or even just, you know, at least learn what it might mean to get connected. Yeah, sure. As far as Peace Players, it's uh, www.peaceplayers.org. You can learn about our work uh, internationally there, each of the each of the cities, if you're not a, an LA person, but maybe you have an interest in one of the other locations. Our staff director is there, so everybody's on their email addresses. We're, we're pretty good about Instagram. Like we have a, a Peace Players Instagram page. And again, it's a US page and an international page where we all try to do a good job about kind of showcasing the work we're doing on a daily basis to get a glimpse into kind of who we are and what we're doing and who are the young people we're doing it with. I am always available. I love connecting with folks. I love having conversations. I love answering questions. I love just building connection and, and, and seeing if there's opportunity to support, you know, if somebody's got doing something similar or there's maybe some form of alignment like i love having conversations with folks and just talking to that through um, and seeing if there's any potential there so always available on my end excellent yeah and you know listeners look like when this publishes it's happening during a time of conflict right globally and domestically and this is an organization that for 20 plus years has been really committed to to conflict resolution through sport and to making a difference so please learn more about them you can donate you can get involved in other ways you know if you love sports and you love programs that are meant to support kids and to make a difference in communities this is a great one to check out so please do that we'll also put information below link to the website to social media handles all of those things please also do subscribe to our show so sideline sessions here to hear all of our fall episodes and more to come in the spring we're going to continue to bring you insights from diverse coaches across the sports landscape if there's any coach or sport you haven't heard about yet that you want to send us a note tag us on social media and we will make sure to do that visit bpodcast.network as well to learn about all of our other shows we have 30 plus shows dedicated to all aspects of education so if you like this one i'm sure there's something else for you there too uh, evan unruh thanks so much for being my guest thanks so much have a great day there are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. 
That's myflexlearning.com forward slash B-E.